Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. I'm good. I'm good. See you, Eli. Good luck. No worries. I think I'm a little loud right now. So this, uh, this podcast is going to be sponsored by Boykies. Do you know what, uh, have you ever heard of Biltong? I have heard of it. I don't know what it is. It's uh, just air-dried beef. Oh, okay. I know we just ate a massive breakfast, but uh, here, try some. And these are for you, by the way. Oh. I'm leaving all of this mm. with you. Yay. All right. It smells good. Yeah, it's just air-dried beef. You can see the ingredients on the back. Red wine vinegar, salt, spices, rosemary, dried vinegar, spice mm. extracts. That's it? It's really good. It's really it's good. It's really good. I like it a lot. It's just a, a much healthier... Uh, jerky yeah it's much healthier jerky but it's South African style and it takes like 46 days to to, to cure to cure so and drive yeah yeah that's that's way good well um, we appreciate the hospitality yeah we're happy Man, to have you lobsters last night pancakes this morning incredible yes y- we don't want you to be hungry while you're here uh, well we got Jesse with us right Jesse needs to eat and I promise him a salary plus food, and that's the only way he, he travels with me. He's a smart man. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, so we filmed your Blood Origins episode last night. Um, I will tell you, I was very surprised that I was going. I was. I thought you were going to lay more along the non-hunter lines than the hunter lines, actually. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Why would you think that? I guess I just had this idea and assumption that you shooting a bow here and Ryan getting into hunting, that you then said, "Okay, I'm I'm sort of interested in getting into hunting," but actually, it was it's the it's other, the way, other around. way around. Yeah. I I think that's surprising to a lot of people because Ryan grew up totally different than me. He grew up in California and he had just a different upbringing. And so I think it's easy for people to assume that he's always been the hunter when it's actually been the other way around. Yeah. Not that I've always been a hunter, but I've always been raised with it. So one of the things that you you hopped on last night was the food. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, understanding where your food comes from. Right. Why is that so important to you? And sorry, I just dived right into the the depth of this conversation, but that's what we do here. Uh, No, no, it's great. Um, Well, one, I I love food, and I love cooking, and I love growing, and all of it. And I just think it's such an amazing thing to see start to finish where your food's coming from, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be the garden. Like, for me, I take a lot of pride in looking out at my garden and knowing back in March, that whole thing came from one teeny tiny little seed. And a lot of time and a lot of tension. And now I'm getting huge bowls full that I can feed my family, not only now, but through the winter. Mm-hmm. And I can feed guests that come and I can send it over to my neighbors. And like, to me, that's very rewarding. And so we also have chickens down in the barn. Well, I've raised those chicks since they were two days old. Mm-hmm. And again, they're going to feed us in the winter. We're going to have a great supply of eggs. And so that having that connection of knowing exactly where it came from, we don't waste a lot of food. We appreciate where it comes from. And so when it comes to hunting, whether it be me or my son or Ryan, I understand that that animal was grown in nature. It had a beautiful life. Mm -hmm. It was raised on organic, clean food. Mm -hmm. And um, its life was not in vain, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so um, even when we have a deer to process, or we've had, um, some really great friends here in Maine. They brought us some bear and some moose. We appreciate every piece of that meat because we understand the sacrifice and the effort that went into it. And so I think when you take the time to appreciate and realize the various steps that go into getting it, whether it's, um, a grain of rice, Mm -hmm. a slice of backstrap, you appreciate your food and and like one, you know it's healthy for you, but you know the story behind it. Well, don't you think that that's exactly why hunting, I think, gets it's such a bad rap, right? And that in today's society, mm-hmm. you're super disconnected, right? Oh yeah, totally. So Trish, why you know why go hunt your food? Just go buy it in the grocery store. Yeah, I have. You know, honestly, I hate going to the meat counter at the grocery store and just seeing it all perfectly packaged it's all laid out and I'm like gosh where did this even come from how far has my food been shipped what did it eat and so um I don't know to me that's it's just the the older I get the more strange that is Mm -hmm. to just see slabs of meat at the grocery store and having no connection to that food Mm -hmm. well I did um since you're so new into this podcast game I always just dive into subjects and I never even introduced you where we are oh well okay 
You want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, I'm, uh, <coughs> my name is Trisha Mickler. I'm wife to Ryan Mickler and mother to four. And we've uh, fairly recently moved to Maine. We've been here just over a year. We came from southern Utah, so it's a total extreme change from everything I've mm-hmm. ever known. Mm-hmm. And um, we came here for an adventure and to learn. Snow, yeah, right? Well, yeah, you know, I went from maybe a dusting once a year to like feet of snow. <laughs> And, like, it was towards the end of winter this year, and we're like, that oh, wasn't a very big storm. It was only eight inches. I'm like, only eight inches? Like, who am I? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm i a homemaker. Um, I, I enjoy all things around the home, cooking, baking. I don't, I don't like laundry. I'll admit that. Um, I really love being outside. I like to garden. I have bees. I have chickens. Um, ducks, no. Ducks. I've got four little ducklings out there. Um, basically if it's outside, I want to do it. Mm. I'd rather be out there. So, um, yeah, that, that's me. And you went, uh, you and Breck were turkey hunting buddies. Yes. Yes. Spent many mornings sitting in the turkey blind. That was fun. Yelps. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm not very good at it. I tried. I'm pretty sure I scared him away those mornings. Mm -hmm. So I just left it up to him. Did you hear any gobbles whilst you were in the stand? Yeah. Yeah, the first morning we went out because um, I, I did, I've never done it before this spring, so I didn't really know what to expect. And so we're sitting there, and it's still dark, and then the crows came out, and Brandon got excited. He's like, Mom, the crows are out. I'm like, cool, we're hunting turkeys. And he's like, no, no, the crows wake up the turkeys. I'm like, okay. So we sat there for a little bit, and then, you know, the crows are going crazy. And then all of a sudden, like, I think we found four gobblers around us. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. Yeah. And so it was really neat to sit there and hear them come to life, you know, in the morning. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was really neat. Yeah, turkey hunting, you'll hear this a lot in the hunting community. Turkey hunting is like crack cocaine. Once you have that experience and those gobblers are going crazy and then they're on the ground and... They gobble around you. Your the the hair on the back of your neck just stands up, and you just want to do it and do it more and more and more. People get yeah. addicted to turkey hunting. Oh, I get it because like you'd hear it gobbling and it'd get closer and closer, and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, it it's got, got so brain, close. It's got the size of a, a a peanut brain. I know they're the dumbest birds, but man, they've got instinct. You got to give them that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was fun, and you know, on some mornings you'd go out and you wouldn't hear anything. But then you couldn't wait to get out the next morning because you might hear something that day. And so it was a t- it was a ton of fun. I really liked it. And so we planted the feed plot this year with hopes of getting tur- more turkeys to come in. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, if we can get them to come in, then we can set up the blind here this year. And and we've got four hens running around our field right now and like 30 chicks with them. And so we're like, okay, what can we do next year to get them to come back? And so it's well, just super cool. You don't have cool. to do anything. So the I haven't seen the science behind this. But once a turkey is born in a place, they don't typically disappear from the place. Oh, well, that's So great. if you can keep the turkeys here and you can keep the chicks here, those chicks will use this as then their home range. And so you're going to be attracting gobblers in or they're going to be gobblers in that flock. Perfect. And they'll be raised here. And so you've just got to make sure that obviously you don't shoot out what you have. Right. But they should live in and around here. In successive generations, that's just how it works. Oh, well, that's that's great news. The only I think we have a couple coyotes on the property. Mm, you gotta take care of that. Yeah, we gotta do, and they're 
big. Mm-hmm. Um, out west, our coyotes, they're scrappy things. And then um, last, I don't know, fall, we found one here on our property. And I, I thought it was a wolf. Mm. Massive. And so um, it's a little bit different than what I was expecting. I remember first time I saw him, I'm like, right, we've got wolves. And he's like, no, there's no wolves in Maine. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's just a really freaking big coyote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we talked about, I think, what I loved about what you said last night and what you've said already is there's the, the there's certain arguments that get put against the hunting community. Mm-hmm. One of them being you don't need to go kill because you can just go down to the grocery store. In today's society, in the 21st century that we live in, you don't have to go down. You don't have to kill. Right. You don't have to. You can go to the convenience of the grocery store and pick up your meat. Mm-hmm. The, the, the argument there that it, you've laid out very succinctly is well, I, I'm, you know, I know where my meat comes from. I know exactly who touched it. I know where it comes from. I know how it lived. I know how it died. Right. Right. Are there any other perceptions around hunting that you've come across? One thing I think um, sometimes, I think um, maybe non-hunters think hunters are like bloodthirsty a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I, obviously I don't agree I think most hunters have a deep connection with the environment and the animals that they're going after. Um, but I think one thing all hunters can agree on is everyone hates poachers. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Mm-hmm. They ruin it for all of us. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's a misconception that's out there that all hunters are poachers. Do or, you think we should call poachers out? Totally. I mean, they're ruining the game for all of us. I remember in high school, there was a boy, he was a few years older than me, you know, kind of went off the tracks a little bit, and he had gone up to the the mountain that, you know, our family had hunted for decades, and he killed, I mean, damn near every buck on that mountain, and he just left them, (laughs) and I I mean, the whole town was mad, Mm -hmm. and I just remember thinking, like, that's not a real hunter, that's Mm -hmm. just an asshole. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, um, and those, those are the ones that get the attention because Absolutely. everyone's mad about it. Yep. And I think people just lump us all together. Oh no, there's no doubt. There's one of the major arguments we constantly fight is the definition between a hunter and a poacher. Mm-hmm. Legal versus illegal. Right. Uh, indiscriminate versus selective. Mm-hmm. Um, purposeful versus wanton. You know, all those different things that we can see as clear as black and white, night and day. Mm -hmm. But in the general media, in the general like non-hunting, maybe not even non-hunting. I think a bunch of non-hunters are very astute. They have a very good bullshit meter. Right. But the anti-hunters, I think purposely... They stoke that flame a little. Yeah, they muddy the waters. They're like, yeah, these, you know... Trophy hunting is resulting in hundreds of thousands of elephants being slaughtered on the African continent. Right. It's like, uh, no, that, that's, that's poaching. Yeah. Only 0.1% of the population is even given a quota to hunt. You're talking about 200 in, in Botswana, for instance. 200 This year, they were going to have 250 elephants on quota of a population of 135,000. Wow. That's uh, quite the percentage there. Yeah, so it's nothing. It, and, and honestly, when you think about it, it's 
those so what is the what is the ideal of what is the idea of the elephant hunt then it's not population control right it's income for rural communities mm -hmm. and it's also a just like you said, it's a meat source. Yeah. I mean, think of all the people that depend on that meat. Mm -hmm. And and like you said, the income, they're the trackers that do it and um, the people that are, uh, what's the word? They're setting up the hotels. Yeah, it's, it's the whole industry, right? It's the restaurants, the hotels, the outfitters. And, you know, hunting... You know, hunting isn't the be-all and end-all mm -hmm. of conservation, but for the vast majority of, and specifically in Africa, obviously in Africa is just a, an easy example to use. The vast majority is pretty much preserved and conserved by hunting outfits. Yeah, which is incredible. It really is. I mean, think if, think if the hunting outfitters hadn't done what they've done. Mm -hmm. I mean, would we have all of those animals still? Would they be on endangered? Would they be extinct? Would they have, you know, overgrowth of some animals and less of others? Like, there's just really so much that can tie back into it. Well, it's just, you know, tied back to here with you, you guys in Maine. There are laws. There are regulations. There are tags. There are quota limits. Right. There are all these things that hunters abide by because by abiding by them, you're sustaining the wildlife in Maine, you're mm -hmm. perpetuating the wildlife. You're actually growing wildlife. Right. And if those populations, if the moose population in Maine is declining, well, you won't be able to get a moose tag next year or there's going to be less moose tags available next year. Right. And and I think um, like an important thing to remember is when we put in for a hunting license or a tags or whatever, that money is going towards helping the herds. So it, like our moose population is on the decline for, I think, mostly ticks to be mm -hmm. honest mm -hmm. but um you know that money that us hunters are putting in is going towards research and helping that because one like i mean i like moose i mm -hmm. think they're adorable mm -hmm. i don't want the population decreasing mm -hmm. and so um but that doesn't mean i wouldn't be stoked if ryan or my son went out and shot one um so i just i think there's just so much more to it right yeah, I think that you're that that's that's exactly right. There's so much more and maybe I'll just be blunt about it, there's so much more to hunting than just the photograph that you see of someone. The Instagram. An animal. Yeah, the Instagram post. Yeah, there's a lot more behind it than that. So why are we not showing it then? I don't know, maybe it's just because it's not as sexy, it's not as cool as having the mount right there. So if it's not as sexy and not as cool, then what are we doing it for? Good question. What do you think? I think we're doing it to brag to other hunters of, look at what we did. Yeah, I, I can see that. For me personally, if I if I am hunting, I'm, I'm strictly going for meat. And um, like a post, cool. But like, I'm going for meat. And something Ryan and I have discussed is like me, I don't have a desire to hunt anymore. I like to go. I like to be part of the hunt. I don't feel the need to, to shoot an animal anymore. If I had to, I could, and I mm -hmm. would, mm -hmm. but, um, he's, so his thing is, okay, if we were, if we were out hunting and you saw just a huge four point buck, he's like, you're telling me you want to shoot it. I'm like, I don't think I would because I appreciate, I'd rather just sit there and look at it then shoot it. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, there's, there's definitely a difference there on that. But, um, 
kind of lost where I was going with this. No, I think that there's motivations. I think where you're going is motivations. Right. There's certain motivations to why people hunt. Yeah. And that's completely okay. Some people are going to go hunt for that big four-point buck. Right. Because that's what they're after. That's They're after a very specific animal mm-hmm. that has a specific set of characteristics. Right. And those characteristics typically come with age and maturity. Mm-hmm. And that's where the whole trophy hunting moniker comes in. Yeah. That you're hunting for those antlers. Well, rather, you're not really hunting for the antlers. Yes, that is the finality of mm-hmm. what you're after. But the only reason why the antlers are like that is because the animal has made it. Right. To 9, 10, 11. And it's probably on its last legs. Right. So, but then there's also other motivation. And that, and this is where we get a lot of, of pushback is that people don't just hunt for meat anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that's bullshit. Totally. But no, it's not bullshit for you. No, but I mean, we all have a different story towards it. Um, yeah, if you're if you're hunting because you want a room full of trophies because you want to show them off, okay. I mean, that's not my thing, but okay. Mm-hmm. Me, if I'm going to hunt, I'm doing it because I want the meat. Mm-hmm. And so I just. But I guess the argument there is. So this is, it's a circular argument, but I'll say it again. The argument would be, you don't, and and it comes into the whole survival, Mm -hmm. sustenance argument. You actually don't have to hunt to survive anymore. Yes, I guess that's true. Why is that true then? Because it's just... But but you said you wouldn't go to the grocery store. Well, you could. I could. Yeah. And sometimes I do. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just easier to go pick up a bag of frozen chicken. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather go across the street and buy some from my neighbors mm-hmm. who, you know, they raise those animals, they butcher their animals and everything. Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather do that. I know where that food came from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, technically in our modern society, I don't have to hunt. Mm-hmm. But you just lose so much connection. Right. And then, then you, I mean, you can get in the whole health benefits of it, too. Exactly. Huge, huge difference there. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if I lived in a city, I wouldn't be hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't have the room to, to do that. I wouldn't have the space unless I wanted to travel. I wouldn't even have the space to necessarily store it. But um, that's not the life I wanted. I wanted this life. Mm-hmm. I wanted the freedom to do that. I wanted the opportunity to give my kids that type of lifestyle. Yeah. Well, I appreciate... Um one yesterday for your willingness to get in front of the camera at, as as I understand <laughs> it, very short notice. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the heads up on that one. <laughs> I thought I'd given you a heads up, but well, I mean, you said heads so- up the last well, time I was here. Yeah, but I thought you were kidding. I didn't realize like that was serious. Like, hey, we're going to record you next time. I didn't well, know that I was like just an, uh, say things like that. Well, now I know. Well, now it's done, so it doesn't yeah. matter. I know. Well, I, I kind of got after Ryan yesterday. I'm like, you could have told me. He's like, well, I, if I told you, you'd be worried about how you look or what you're wearing. I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah. I said I would have at least, you know, put on a clean shirt or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. And again, thank you for the hospitality and thank you for allowing us to have a pit stop here before we headed further up into northern Maine. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited too. It's Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. Hopefully uh, we don't uh, see and woof. But as Jesse says, if we see and woof, it'll be a better story. Um, maybe. You better stop by on your way back. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll load you up on some food again. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Trish. Thank you so much, Robert. Much appreciated. 
Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.